Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, listeners. Hi, everyone. Hopefully you've recovered from the Halloween Monday madness that was last week. You're into this week. Today, That when this drops, is election day. So yes. that if you didn't already send, at least here in Orange County, they send out the ballots to everybody. So if you didn't do it beforehand, because you like the in-person, hopefully you get to the polling places in time. It's super important. Or if you're someone who got your ballot in the mail, put it on your desk and said, I'm going to get to it, but you never got to it. Mm -hmm. You can still turn it in today. It can be postmarked by today. So if your mailman hasn't come, if your mailman already came today, when you're listening to this, go drive over to the polls. They have drop-off boxes because, you know, we've said this before, every election is important, but this election seems to be very important as well. So please vote. Yes, exactly right. That is our PSA for today. (laughs) We, of course, it's in our name, right? Inclusive Education Project. Anytime we find we have guests today, if you guys haven't already guessed it, we always try to find people that know more about a subject than us, because then it helps us in our experiences with different school teams. And we are really excited today to have Michael and Laura on um, to talk about a therapeutic inclusion program. So welcome, welcome, Michael and Laura. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. And so I'm going to throw it to Michael. Can you kind of tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? And then Laura, I'll have you introduce yourself, what you guys do, and then what your book is about. Sure. You know, starting with myself, um, I've been working in therapeutic education for about 20 years now. I started as a paraprofessional and along the way, I became a teacher and then a therapist and all throughout working with kids with significant social emotional and behavioral challenges in private therapeutic environments. Um, As you were talking about recently on your podcast, the non-public school, Mm -hmm. um, as well as um, inclusive environments in public schools. Excellent. Laura, a little bit about your background. Sure. So Mike is definitely the therapist of our duo, and I am more the educator, although Mike is also an educator. But I started in early childhood, and I was a general ed teacher for some years. I spent three years teaching first grade, and then I ended up on the special ed side of things. And I ran a language-based program for a little while, and then Mike and I were lucky enough to be able to meet, and we started a therapeutic inclusion program in the public schools. And I'm still working in public schools now. I'm doing a little bit of a different model, but I am very much a public school special education teacher and working with kids with social and emotional challenges is really sort of the niche for me and what I'm really good at and intrigued by and what I really love. So Mike and I were able to meet in a public school setting and our work has together has jumped off since then. 
And what I love about the meat and then the way the book is structured is around the school day. <laughs> you yes. know, I love it. Anytime we have anybody, we always say, hey, can you, you know, give us a story of, or an example of like how that would happen or function in the classroom setting and what is so cool about the way that you, like I said, structured the book is that, hey, how do we start the day? Can you tell us a little bit more about the thought process behind wanting to start it that way? Sure. I mean, I was definitely thinking about, and we were thinking about the entry point, you know, how does a child start? How does a child encounter school Mm -hmm. any given day? And that the reader is encountering the book, entering the book almost through the eyes of the child entering school. Hmm. And starting from the beginning of the day, what is it like to come in the building? Yep. You know, as a student who is, you know, perhaps has a higher high anxiety or is, you know, trying to find their way socially. And what is it like to come in and have that, you know, large, busy environment and hmm. also have a safe place within it? That and that would be the therapeutic program classroom. Yeah. So making your way there, as we talk about in the book is a secure base. It's a home base that gives the children a sense of courage as they are out in general education environments and in the mix in the school that they have a safe place to return to. I think that's so important because I think so often professionals and educators and parents, we forget to look from the perspective of the child when we're thinking about things. We think, oh, well, this might not be appropriate, or this would be a good idea, or this would be too hard for us to do, or this is a lot, or we're not sure. And it's taking the we out of it, right? And it's putting it Mm -hmm. in their perspectives, because all of this that we're doing is all for them. And so it's so important to do it that way. And I just, I love that just, I mean, the whole idea behind this book, because, you know, we obviously on our podcast talk about inclusion all the time. It's, you know, our bread and butter. It's something that we preach as high, you know, as loud as we can. But oftentimes we find IEP teams or schools or teachers kind of stuck with, I understand the why and I understand, you know, the overall big picture. But when it comes to the nuances, the little pieces of how do we do this, that's where I think we get lost. So I I like that this is more gives so many ideas and and so much more than just, well, here's an accommodation support example. Like, I think there's just so much more to it, almost like a holistic approach to your book. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really one of the reasons why we wanted to write this book and we were so excited to be able to do it is because there's not a lot of dialogue around what you were just speaking to, right? Mm -hmm. So even in, so Mike and I are based in Massachusetts and when we were running our program, we were trying to look for other programs that were doing a similar thing and really engage in conversation with other educators and look for some common language and some commonalities and some best practices. And we really came up dry and found that there wasn't a huge dialogue and there wasn't really a place to start with that. So we're hoping that we can open the conversation for that a little bit more and really get into it because this is sort of what we love. The piece you were talking about too is yes, of course it's child-centered. It has to be child-centered because what else are we doing otherwise as educators? Well, I think it's easy for educators to kind of get in a rut as well, right? And we go year to year. The pandemic really shook things up and we hoped it would have, right? But Mm -hmm. I think even the way that you kind of 
end the book, right? It's about integrating parts into a whole, right? As Mm -hmm. from the chapter title. I think that you have to state that, right? You have to state the obvious because one of the things that resonated to me was how you had said, you know, a lot of students and families report just chaos and frustration. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what is a good way to describe how some staff that we've dealt with feel about inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't know enough about it. What what would you say to those that if you could like a big takeaway, right? You have a a 20 second elevator pitch Mm -hmm. um, and they're saying like, no, we can't do inclusion where we're at. Right. Like, what would you say to them about it? I'd say I'm not great at the 22nd version. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Neither are we. Neither are we. It's okay. But you know what I think a good starting point, though, is to meet that statement with a lot of empathy and a lot of understanding, right? Because educators are so burnt out. You know, I'm a public school educator. There's a lot going on. It's very hard, right? So I understand if people are overwhelmed by the idea of what we're trying to do. It makes sense, right? And so really meeting that and making a relationship with whomever you're talking to, right? Or saying, you know, I understand where you're coming from here and trying to talk about why it's so beneficial, right? Why it's so beneficial is the selling point. You know, it's Mm -hmm. so good for students. There's so much that kids can get out of really being in a therapeutic program that really has a supportive model and really kids can be in the general ed environment and getting all of the things that all of their peers are getting that they're not able to get in a separate school or in a substantially separate program. Mm-hmm. But go ahead, Mike. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I was curious for Vicki and Amanda, if, you know, we're here in Massachusetts and it seems like most of the towns and districts here have something they're calling a therapeutic program. Do you find that to be the case where you're located as well? No, no, ah. absolutely not. I wish there was. You know, what we've struggled with here in Southern California is we've had a number of kiddos that we've worked with who really would benefit from a therapeutic program. They are academically capable, but are so behind and so withdrawn from school, whether it's because of mental health challenges, behaviors, whatever the case may be. And there's not many options. Like we Mm -hmm. have you know, these non-public schools that are geared towards more severe. And then we have Mm -hmm. some private schools that are geared towards the higher functioning and can be a therapeutic environment. But all Mm -hmm. of these are not always the best for most kids because they are small. They're expensive. Mm -hmm. They're not the public comprehensive. I mean, look, we could argue all day long that a private school that provides a therapeutic environment with general education peers can still be appropriate, but it's not going to be 100% comparable to right. your typical public school setting in the diversity that might be there in terms of the electives that are there and the sports and, you know, theater yeah. and whatnot. And not Music to mention that yeah. those schools are mostly high schools. So yeah. where do we go for our, our third grader who needs a therapeutic mm. environment? I wish there was more. You know, we've had on many people onto our podcast talking about how to incorporate therapeutic strategies into classrooms. And I've had a number of teachers I've worked with and therapists in the public school setting who incorporate a lot of these strategies, but they are on their own kind of in their school or on their own in their district. They're, we're not getting this holistic approach across the whole school mm-hmm. that we are taking mental health and we are taking the therapeutic approach <laughs> to the entire school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may yeah. be able to get closer to the 22nd pitch 
and you know, they've had a little time to think. Yeah. Um, you know, here, you know, we find that most towns do have something they're calling a therapeutic program, but in exploring, talking in the community, we find that there's very little conversation between the different districts around, well, what does that mean? You know, what is it? That's exactly um, what I was going to say, Mike. I was going to say, yeah. what do you define as therapeutic? Because yeah. yes, you will find districts here saying that they have a therapeutic program. But if we are defining it in the way that your book defines it, I agree with Mana. Absolutely not. Right. Sure. <laughs> like It's not that. So I was yeah. going to say the same thing. I was going to echo what, what's your definition of it. Right. You know, it's funny. Every time I say this, I'm like, I'm like is this really true? Because it's, it's so still surprising to me. But there isn't a book like this until ours right. is coming along like it just right. you know so even having a conversation beginning of like hey what do we call this you know what are the basic elements and you know Lara and I really believe strongly in the model we're putting forward and we hope it gets you know adopted and influences programming and also though there's a people just can start talking some more about it about you know what they think of it and what their ideas are and and to have more of a professional conversation to improve the discourse, you know? I was going to say that sort of the basic outline of what we consider to be our program or our therapeutic inclusion program is that there is a secure home base for students. We were talking about that a little bit before. So they come in and there is a therapeutic milieu and that never stops, right? That runs throughout the entire day and it could be in the therapeutic classroom and it can also extend out towards the general education environment. And students are brought together every morning for a meeting where everything is previewed and students are in the know. And then kids are also brought back together daily for group therapy, which can sound scary to people. <laughs> Mike can speak more to this, but it group therapy in schools has been wildly beneficial for students. And it's one thing that I think can feel a little bit off-putting. And that's why kids are sometimes outplaced to private therapeutic schools. But once you get outplaced to a private therapeutic school, you're losing a lot. And my big soap my soapbox sort of as an educator is that once you're putting a student in a separate environment, whether it's a substantially separate program or whether it's a separate school, in addition to all of the sort of enrichment kind of pieces you were talking about before, they really lose the very strong academic piece that everyone is presented with at a public school. Right. Um, and so really kids then are supported and they're able to get really strong academic instruction that every student deserves. And so that's what we're able to do within the therapeutic program. Sometimes in a public school, if you have a student who could use a program like that and they don't get it, they're mm -hmm. still getting this really watered down curriculum because people don't want to set them off or they don't want behaviors right. to escalate, which is also right. very problematic. Right. Well, we get the Band-Aid approach to sure. we are either going to avoid the behaviors or we are going to you know, alleviate the behaviors in the moment, but we're not really getting to the root of the problem, whether it's maladaptive behaviors or whether it's withdrawal or, you know, mental health side effects. We see it so often. And I think that's the very same problem we have with just the fight for just general inclusion is that we could have a, a fabulous one teacher or administrator or speech therapist who goes above and beyond and has all these strategies and works wonders. But if we don't have this holistic approach of the entire school being on the same page, that it does a disservice to these kids, not just the kids that are on IEPs or need these programs, but so many of the other kids in the school could benefit from so much of this. I mean, 
We talk oh, about yeah. inclusion. We talk about the benefits to all students, right? Of mm-hmm. being able to be in an environment that is fully inclusive helps make yes. better people in our community as adults. Absolutely. You may have noticed in your adult life that some people have social and emotional and mental health issues in your community, your family, in your apartment complex, uh, your job. So, you know, learning how to be with a diverse group of people throughout life, you know, is a great benefit. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we say this all the time in the real world, Mm -hmm. there are no special day classrooms, right? (laughs) You Mm -hmm. go to work and they're not going to say, oh, and you get to go to this classroom over here, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and yes, the children rely on us to keep ourselves regulated and to help them through this tough time. So yes, we could see, you know, potentially the benefits, but having a program like this, and I think, you know, what you drive home as well is, Laura, what you had said, obviously a solid home base, but also the support within the classroom. We're not saying that this is just going to be a third grade teacher and here's this book and you're going to be able to do this, right? Like you have to have the right support in your classroom and that, you know, open and honest communication from top down, right? From the principal of the program all the way down to the para support that's going to be within the classroom. How do you envision, you know, teachers, districts, what do you see for the book? You know, you want a teacher to pick it up, obviously, but are you looking, you know, hopefully to it being something that, you know, a district administrator can help? Because that's our biggest thing is like, we Mm -hmm. need this to be in the hands of the people who are in the front lines. And does that start with the teacher credentialing program? Or does it start Mm -hmm. with teacher training? Anyway, what what are your thoughts? Well, I'd speak to that and a couple other things that have come up, you know, in the last few minutes. One, you know, what, you know, makes this program different or what makes it work? One piece I want to add in is the idea of therapeutic supervision. This is one of my soapboxes, you know, in therapeutic work outside schools is understood that therapists and counselors have a supervisor that they check in with and about their work because the work is so complicated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't have that in mental health work outside of schools, then that is considered bad practice. But somehow this other lane developed in schools where I would say it's fair to say most school counselors are not receiving supervision Mm. and that's been normalized. So for some reason. And so the idea being that takes hold in schools is that supervision is something you just have your first couple of years and then you don't have it anymore. And that idea about therapeutic work doesn't exist outside of schools, right? So this program requires the therapeutic supervision model that, and that's what facilitates a lot of the conversation and a lot of the coherence between, you know, the staff and the therapeutic work and the academic work and supporting the conversations that take place with the general education teachers. It rests upon the supervision, which allows for something else that's important, which is the tolerating not knowing. There's a sense in schools that teachers, professionals are supposed to have the answers. Like yeah. there's a problem, the yeah. teacher has the answer, the specialist has the answer. Here's the best reading intervention. Here's what we do for this speech issue. But in therapeutic work, if we're dealing with people with you know more significant social and emotional and mental health issues, we have to be willing to say, we're not sure what accounts for what's happening right now. And we're here to help and we're all working together. But, you know, 
we're not going to solve what's happening over the course of some brief period of time with some specific intervention. Like we all need to work together and talk together and tolerate not being sure. And that's an important element of the program. That the program is not it is a you know a specific program that can contain creativity yeah. and can be patient. Yeah. I think that's an important point to make because I think too often, you know, when IEP teams come together or parents are talking to educators, there's this notion that, well, we don't know if it's going to work, so we're not going to try it. Or we, you know, and I think we like for our clients are often the ones pushing the envelope saying, yeah, we don't know, but we don't know it's not going to work either. So let's try it. Like the concept of trying without knowing yeah, I wish was out there more. Right. I was going to say, I think that speaks a little bit to when you were asking, so who is the book designed for, right? So we ha- actually have specific chapters. There's a chapter for administrators, right? There's a chapter designed for specifically around sort of curriculum and what teachers would do. So it is sort of designed from the top to the bottom, but a program like this this is not going to work if only a teacher is on board, right? Yeah. This is the kind right. of piece that you need the district to get behind. And what I found too is that everyone theoretically gets behind these pieces, right? Who yeah. would have a district who says, no, we don't want a therapeutic program. We really want to outplace. Like we don't, right. people get right. behind it in theory, but then people really need to, or administrators and school districts, when it comes down to sort of the nitty gritty and understanding what's going on in the program really needs to be supportive and able to put some resources towards it. You know, at the end of the day, certainly keeping kids in district is always, almost always going to be less costly, you know, monetarily, and then also for in terms of student success. But a program like we're talking about does need to be pretty robust in staffing in order to be done well, you know? And it really needs to be supported all the way up through the district. Yeah, part of our elevator pitch, too, would be, you know, while there are certainly students who need a comprehensive, specialized setting, they need a private therapeutic school and out of district placement. There's certainly students who could benefit and could be included who are not being included. Mm -hmm. You know, the determination being made like, oh, this student needs to go, you know, out of district. There's a, a good, you know number of children, you know, that could be included that are not, if they were properly supported with a program like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, we hope that as districts are thinking about starting therapeutic programs, or as they already have one, that they'd be interested in looking at this book to think about this model and hopefully be influenced by our ideas. And also though, teachers, you know, anybody working in schools who's interested in therapeutic work or therapeutic education could certainly get ideas from this book and pick up some thoughts from it that could be helpful. Oh yeah, I think so. I I would encourage all teachers <laughs> to pick it up because it, like I said, the way how relatable it is, right? You know, we're starting from that social component of that kind of circle time. It doesn't necessarily have to be circle time. I, I mean, we do this in homeroom in middle school yeah. and high school, right? We kind of let the kids know what's happening. You know, I mean, all almost all high school teachers have their schedule like on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. It's just that subtle shift in perspective as well of inviting the children in, right? Mm-hmm. And Laura, you had said it and making them be part of it. So I, you know, I definitely highly encourage, and I know Amanda and I both have cases where, you know, how do we not even teach, but just how do we have this inclusion 
happen in real life. You know, we can all talk about it, but you know, it really needs to start even from asking the children, how would you like to see it? And, you know, out of the mouth of babes, they'll tell you, right? Like, I don't know, it's just like, I just show up, right? But when right. we're sitting afar and we're trying to make these decisions and we're not including those individuals, I think that is just another form of the segregation that we see, even if, you know, a school can claim, oh no, we're all about diversity and things like that. But, sure. you know, you're doing things without, you know, the people that, you're talking about, right? Which is awful. So we like to end on, you know, a feel good story. If if you have one off the top of your head, I'm putting the pressure on you again about how you've seen. And Michael, I know that you've, you know, you've seen a lot of different roles, right? Which is Mm -hmm. awesome. And then Laura, I'd love to kind of hear a story from you about how inclusion has helped a kiddo. If you've seen them beyond just the grade level that you were at with them, we would love to hear a story like that to wind up the podcast. Sure. This is either my 14th or 15th year teaching. I don't know, but I've been doing this for a while. And a student definitely comes to mind who Mike and I shared in the therapeutic inclusion program who came and was very angry and violent and just labeled themselves as dumb and stupid and wouldn't be able to learn. Um, And we were just able to do so much good work. And the general education teacher that we worked with with him was wonderful. I find that general education teachers feel overwhelmed sometimes by the idea of inclusion. And then they get started and they work with us with the program and they're like, oh, I can do this. I think teachers can be very hard on themselves and they can be overwhelmed by the idea. And then in practice, like, hey, okay, I can do this. Actually, this is really supporting my teaching as well. And we're able to learn a lot from one another. And it really ends up being a really nice melding cohesive piece. But this student really was able to sort of regulate, really access school and really feel much better about themselves as a learner. And just being able to see someone really be able to not only be safe, because that's sort of the bare minimum, but be able to learn and be able to make friends and to be able to feel good and be happy. And we do a lot of parent work and to be able to share that with the parents and really just have a whole child, whole family kind of relationship where you go home and you feel like, oh, hey, they're doing really well. And that's because of all of the work that all of us are doing, you know? I love that. You know what comes to mind? One of my favorite moments with that student, thinking about how far he came, we had a parent night or a back to school night. Oh, yeah. And But it was during COVID times, as it still is, and Mm. we weren't meeting in person. So we had a big whiteboard and the parents are all up on the whiteboard. And every student was invited, like, just, you know, just share something about, you know, our, our classroom and our, you know, our therapeutic classroom, whatever you want, basically, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure what he was going to do. And it was his turn. And he said, hey, you know, what do you want to share? He's like, I'm going to sing a song. I was, oh. like, I was like, you are? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. Oh, all right. And then he starts to sing. He improvised the song about how much he loves the class. Oh. <laughs> Mike's then, a musician. We should get him to sing a little. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> and amazingly, that the group joins him and singing the song he's making up he on the spot. Oh my God. Wow. And it was, yeah, that was a very special moment. You mm-hmm. can't give us a little ditty, Mike. You don't remember? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All I right. I won't make you. It's okay. It's okay. Like, 
I do remember that. That was wildly heartwarming. One of those things you will yeah. never forget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had no um, idea it was going to happen, right? Like, okay, yeah. guys, let's see what happens. Sure. But then everybody joining in, right? Yeah. That, that's the real kicker right there, right? Yeah. That student felt comfortable to just, all right, I'm just going to do it. And then to have everybody join in, I think that's just like the epitome of what you are trying to do, right? Integrating mm-hmm. the parts into a whole. Yes. Like and that. the whole being too, like the whole being the large school environment, right? That's also another part of the whole. And so, you know, in this very, in this specialized classroom, there's a sense of like, we are working on a special project and it's how to be in this big building with so many people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how are we going to do that today? And that's where we can have conversations about, you know, how it's going or something new to try. And then it's almost like a laboratory, like, all right, you know, go to your big classroom and, give it a shot and, t- and we'll come back later and we'll talk about how it went. So that, you know, having that capacity is, is an incredible gift in a therapeutic inclusion program in a public school. Well, I absolutely love that. That's such a, a wonderful way to end the podcast. I hope that our listeners go check out your book. We'll have all the information on our show notes, the links and everything. And, you know, if you're a parent and you're hoping that your, your school team might learn a thing or two, you know, the holidays are coming up, buy this book for your kid's teacher, do a little hint, hint, it might be a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, no, we appreciate you guys so much. It really was, you know, again, starting from that perspective of the child, which, you know, we always want to say that we're doing, but just having the book structured like that is just Mm -hmm. chef's kiss as everybody, as the kids are saying these days. So thank you you so much for um, coming on our podcast, talking about it. And we hope the listeners enjoyed this episode. You know, if you have a topic that you want us to go over, please just slide into our DMs. Again, I think that's not the appropriate way to say it, but I'm going to go with it. And we will talk about it next week mm. <laughs> bye thank you so much thank for having you. us we really yeah, appreciate thank it thank you so much thank you laura thank you mike all right take care mm, bye-bye